What's going on, everybody? My name is Tuck. Welcome back to my channel. Welcome to the first episode of the Torching Time podcast. I'm your host, Tuck. I'm joined today by my fellow teammate, TJ. We're going to be running through some of the Call of Duty topics that I have written down in front of me. But first and foremost, let's do an introduction. I'll go first because I'm already talking. My name is Tuck. I am a Call of Duty esports personality. I am current owner of Team Fiki, the esports organization linked in the description as always. And I am a wannabe competitive Call of Duty player. TJ, now you? I'm TJ Rice. TJ, Tej, whatever the hell, whatever you want to call me. I play Call of Duty, attempt to be good at it, but, you know, yeah, that happens. And I also stream every now and then. Just depends on what I'm feeling is what I'm streaming. Yeah. And on top of that, it's worth mentioning average land placing is third. <laughs> So now that the introductions are out of the way, TJ, linked in the description, your social media icons are on screen if I remember to do that when editing, but all of us are linked in the description if you want to find us on any social medias. And without anything else, let's just hop right into the first topic. How are we enjoying the game? I'll let you start off with that one. I'm enjoying it to a certain extent. I feel like there's a, quite a few games, or like, not games, uh, guns <laughs> that could use a nerf. If that makes sense. Like the AK, I feel like it should not be kill it nearly as fast as it does. And then uh -huh. with the new nerf that they just popped out or came out with with the Kree with the headshot multiplier, I feel like that did good. Um, the FFAR still kills pretty fast if you're accurate with it. But sub wise, I think it's in a pretty good shape. And then map design, ugh, oof. That's all. That's all I can say about that. It's just oof. I share a lot of those sentiments. Just the overall game, we're talking about the entire package. Overall, underwhelming, to say, to put it nicely. The campaign, painfully predictable. I don't play zombies, so that's never even a thing to me. And the multiplayer is just... The multiplayer is just so vanilla and boring, because there's not a lot of content, and what content there is just isn't that great, if we're being honest. The weapon balance at the launch was MP5, and that's it. They nerfed that. It's an AR heavy meta, which is never fun for competitive because it just means people don't move. And if it's not fun for competitive, that means <clears throat> it's not fun in public matches where the people actually are afraid to move. So public matches, this game is borderline unplayable for me, especially considering what they did to sniping, which is what I did when I wasn't playing competitive all of last year. There's just no way to get around that. The snipers. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. The snipers are in a terrible spot right now, despite what the competitive community thinks. On but, uh, the zombies thing, zombies is a lot of fun. I enjoy it way more than I do pubs. I mean, that's you. I just, I, this, the whole zombies thing has never clicked for me. Outside of Black Ops 1, that's when I feel like it peaked. I just have never been into zombies after that. Introspectable. The rule sets for uh, CDL. I'm not familiar with all the rule sets. I know they're still working on it, so. Obviously, the three game modes are hardpoint, SD, and control. I like that because domination was painful. I <laughs> domination last year was one of the most painful experiences <laughs> of my life, that especially whenever cool. there were multiple pro matches that ended in ties because the game forgot how to do math. But uh, what other rule sets are there? I'm trying to. I'm struggling to decipher the actual rule set from GAs. Uh, hold on. Let me. LMGs are banned. Shotguns are banned. Are attack rifles banned in the CDL rule set? CDL? No, not yet. No. Tough. According to the Game Battles website, I do not believe they are. No. The only weapons that are banned on the C or on GB's website, at least I don't know if they've updated it since they've decided to on GB's, but LMGs are banned, shotguns are banned, launchers, and then the special M79. <laughs> Which is a grenade launcher, so yeah, yeah. that makes that makes sense. Like I'm just struggling to think of what's banned and what's just GA'd, because I know the GAs are like one smoke, no smoke and respawns, one smoke and S&D, three trophies, one sniper and S&D, no snipers and respawn. The amateurs have GA'd the 1911 and the AK, because I guess they're pussies. Yeah, pretty much. Uh... There's another really stupid GA that I can't think of off the top of my head. So I found they haven't updated the CDL rule set, 
since November 23rd. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it makes it makes sense. The only actual change that's been made to the uh the rule set is they added raid into all three game modes, I think. I don't even know if they've added that like technically on the CDL website or anything. Well, the pros are playing it, which makes me think it's going to happen because Envoy on stream said they were not scrimming Crossroads anymore because Raid got added in, which I respect it. Crossroads is a mess, to put it nicely. Yeah. It, it, yeah. And I'm just waiting for the day they finally take that and Armada Strike out of fucking GB variant. So, looking over <laughs> this, I see that there's only three maps that Control's on. They're I mean, that's normal. Control on three? That's normal. There's more than three. Huh. Nah, there was only three maps for Control in BO4, I think. Seaside, Arsenal, and, uh... Frequency. I thought that there was one more. If there was one more, I never played it. Yeah, fair. Frequency, Arsenal, and uh, <laughs> Seaside were the three maps for control. Map threes usually have only three maps to play on. Because you only play the mode once, so it makes sense. Yeah. And then Cartel's still labeled a map for hardpoint. Yeah, Cartel's not. <laughs> Cartel's also GA'd. It's also going to get taken out eventually. Cartel might be a good SD map, honestly, but we never get to test that one out. There. But, uh, transitioning from that, let's talk about the format for the season for the CDL, because I know they announced a week ago as of recording this that, uh, they're adding in tournament like events within the league matches, so I don't remember the exact amount. Was it three home series and then one? Then five majors. No, I mean like the oh, way it worked oh, yeah, out. Three and then one, yeah. Three and then one. So there were five yeah. majors announced along with what I guess would be 15 home series. So three home series, one major, and then the champs at the end. <clears throat> I mean, that's that's good. League matches are boring. They don't really mean a lot. <laughs> because... But the way that the matches, the home series are leading up is for your seeding for the major. With all 12 teams in it. Yeah, I, so, I know I mean, that, but... It makes a little bit more incentive. It makes try. it a little bit more exciting because we'll bash on them later in the cast. Uh, Paris is going to be the last team. And it's going to be boring anytime any team plays Paris the entire season. But at the end of the day, Paris is a pro team and they might make noise in a double, a double elim format tournament. <laughs> it's just yeah. the nature of the beast. That's a good change. It's going to bring some excitement back to what has been overall a very poorly ran season one into season two for the CDL. Because like, there's just a lot of stuff about the CDL I don't really agree with how they go about things. Like their marketing team is absolute trash. Because I, I found, <laughs> I mean, bro, they don't do outside of like the Call of Duty Twitter, which uh, okay, so fair. Twitter is the place for Call of Duty. If anything Call of Duty happens, it's the COD subreddit or Twitter. Not really anything else happens anywhere else, but they don't do any promotion outside of that. The people that promote on the subreddit don't even think are the actual CDL people. They're fans that just saw the tweet. I've seen them on Facebook also, if that counts for anything. I mean, that's a targeted <laughs> ad to you. Like, that's what I mean. We right. don't want targeted ads. They need broad strokes of ads. Like, the most broad-stroke ad the CDL did was last year after Dallas won, they changed stadium in Verdansk. And then people well, had to go into the stadium and be like, who the hell's the Dallas Empire? They did it leading up to COD Champs also. Yeah, but, like, that's my point. That's not... If they're trying... They're, like... They're trying to make the CDL a mainstream sport, but at the same time, they're not going all in. Because if... I'm watching, I'm a Nationals fan, if I'm watching the Nationals on TV, I know everything that's happening about the Nationals that I'm allowed to know. Fair. I know everything about their farm teams. Like, if I want to go watch the Harrisburg Senators play, I have their schedule somewhere on the broadcast promoting it. Like, it's just... If I wasn't actively looking for CDL updates, I would not find them. And that's just not good marketing. And then along with that, like... Merchandise for the league, first of all, it sucked, let's be honest. The merchandise yeah, for the league was, was trash. The I it mean, was that's... all the same with different logos. Yeah, that's, there's no creativity there. It's boring, it's trash. But at the end of the day, it's it's expensive trash. Yeah. <laughs> like, what was it, $90 for a pair of joggers? $100 for a hoodie? Yeah, something like that. It was. I, I didn't buy a hoodie for any team solely because I'm not going to drop $100 on a hoodie. 
Oh, I didn't buy anything because I thought it was ugly. Like, even though I'm a diehard Chicago fan, I was... You got me feeling some type of way if I'm spending $90 on a hoodie. Right, like, I bought their, uh... Some of their t-shirts before, like, whenever they could sell their own. Yeah, before they got... Before they got... Before they got franchised, yeah. The stuff they had control over was good. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one. I bought this one, and then another one i don't remember what exactly it was but then that's but... just another thing like the merchandise bro they they the the cdl merchandise was sold on fanatics like one of the largest sports apparel companies on the internet and you know how i found that out because i googled it and found out hey they're partnered with fanatics i was <laughs> i was actually looking for tennessee titan stuff whenever i found out that they were on fanatics because I saw on Twitter that they were doing an end-of-season discount, and I was like, hmm, maybe I might consider buying something if it's not $100 for a hoodie. And then I just Googled it, and it didn't take me to, like, the Optic.com store. It took me to it took me to Fanatics, and I'm like, huh. I'm curious on how they figured $100 for a hoodie. Dude, there's got to be... It's It's got to be something. They're just trying to get their investment back on the league or some shit, bro. I mean, with COVID, I could... Like, me, I mean, the league is going to make money regardless. Like, granted, not having homestands was a big hit to a lot of people's pockets because I think, now this is an extreme case, I'm sure, because there's no chance every homestand was this expensive, but I know Atlanta's homestand was like $2 million invested into it. I mean, imagine what Chicago's would have costed. Yeah, probably not as much as Atlanta's because Atlanta had little Yachty there (laughs) and, like, all the people that FaZe associates with them. But, like, along with that, like, the League merchandise sucked, and along with that, unfortunately, the in-game cosmetics sucked. And I actually bought the Chicago Huntsman camo, which, if you guys do research, it's basically the Woodland camo from World War II. The Chicago Huntsman camo in Modern Warfare last year was the, uh, the camo you got in World War II for getting five headshots. <laughs> it was, it's pathetic, dude. And what really uh, triggers me about that entire situation is Lion, the Twitter, the guy on Twitter that does all the design things for free, the concepts. He mm. makes really good things for free that are better than the paid designs that the CDL got. And what really pisses me off about that entire thing is they finally worked with Lion for the Warzone tournament they had. <laughs> like, I've never seen such a backwards business model. That that's obscene but i i've seen some of his work too it's actually phenomenal like dude his his uh reactive camos were my favorite they were so good but of course we're never going to get them in the game Treyarch might do something with that concept and run with it but i doubt it'll be him working directly on it yeah probably not i'm sure they got graphic designers and all that and then just to double back onto why merchandise is so expensive before we move to the next topic, I genuinely don't know. Because like I said in the intro, I own Team Fiki. I sat in the business calls with Innovative Gear, our merchandise provider. And I was like, how much can we realistically sell these for as cheap as we can and still turn a profit? And without looking at our website, I think our hoodies are $55 for the pro hoodie, which is like a thicker jersey material. And then our like regular hoodies are $35, like a champion hoodie. So both of our hoodies on our website combined are still not as expensive as one of the CDL hoodies, and it just blows my mind. You gotta make the money somewhere. I mean, bro, that's the thing. Like, I'm not gonna sit here and talk specific numbers, but we get a 45% return on any purchase on the website. We're making money when people buy something from our yeah, merch I mean, shop. Think about, think about how much uh, Fanatics is charging them to have that stuff on there. I mean, they're, that rate, they're just basically drop shipping, which is like probably like... 15% to the company, so Fanatics, but, like, I don't think that matters. I'm pretty sure 90 is just the, the price. But whatever, let's move on to the next topic, which is rosters, which if you go to maintenance in the Discord below us, we're just going to start at the top and work to the bottom. Okay. And then we'll breeze through this because the next topic is power rankings, where we'll get to talk more in-depth about Love everything. That. Love that. So, <clears throat> going from top to bottom of how I found the rosters, uh, Toronto Ultra... Confirm Cami, Kleenex, Methods, and Vance as their 2021 starting roster. Right below them is Atlanta Phase, Arcity, Celium, Simp, Abizi, the Los Angeles Gorillas, Silly, Apathy, Assault, Vivid, and then their academy team has Mental, the Gears of War Pro. 
not important, just worth mentioning, I guess. <laughs> That's also weird. They announced their academy team in the, like the official tweet with their full roster. I'd be insulted if I was the full roster. Yeah, that they. I'm pretty sure they did it all like in the same video too. I, that's just not a good way to go about it. But uh, the Seattle Surge is Pristini, Octane, Looney, and Gunless. Looney's nasty because he shit on me in a pub. <laughs> uh, Optic Chicago, Envoy, Scump, Formal, Dashy, Los Angeles Thieves, EJ Halley, Kenny, Slasher, and Temp. Uh, the Dallas Empire, Crim6, Hook, Illy Shotzi. New York subliners, Clayster, Mac, Asim, Zuma, Hydra was their fourth, but he's playing from Paris on like 300 ping, so Asim is subbed in for him. Because I saw Clayster talk about that on stream. The Minnesota Rocker, Attach, uh, Priesta, Assault, and Major Maniac. The Florida Mutineers, Skies, Havoc, Awakening, and Slacked. And then the last roster that was confirmed was Zero, Shawnee, Dylan, and Alex. And then, like I said earlier, we were going to pick on Paris. They're the only team that has not announced a roster. And it's because the things that Kismet exposed them for on Twitch, I think, <laughs> where basically the Paris Legion were trying to get their team to play every match on Paris hosts so they would actually have a chance of winning maps. That, that so... Yeah, that's that's absolutely insane. So Noah confirmed roster for uh, Paris Legion, but according to TJ, Dylan Theory is their coach. Yeah, I, he's whenever they did the uh, scouting series, he's the one that picked everybody. Fun fact: can... they also didn't tweet for two months at one point in time. I mean, why would they? They had nothing to report on. Right, but something like even retweeting something. Their last like, tweet was the retweet of the CDL, uh, the CDL announcing that they had skins in the game for Black Cold War. Their first tweet in like two months was responding to Spoof. And he all he was doing was thanking them for picking him up in the scouting series. And all, all, they, all they responded with was a fire emoji. That is it. I mean, they're just not a good team, top to bottom. The entire organization's bad. Yeah, like, I don't really know how to say it. Like, I'm going to keep bringing this up because I have a different perspective from this shit. Because I am an org owner and a social media manager. Social media is not hard, especially if you're being paid. Like, I'm assuming whoever's in charge of the Paris Legion's Twitter is. They're being paid in some way, shape, or form. I operate the Team Fiki page for free. And I tweet, and I put out, like, relatively entertaining tweets daily. Right. It's just, it's crazy. But, okay, the next topic is power rankings. We're just going to start from the bottom and work our way back up. Uh, Paris, 12th. 100%. There's not a roster, they're just 12th by default. So I'm actually, I'm actually going to write this down and then make changes as necessary. Okay. So, there's number 1 to 12, and then Paris is default. <laughs> 12th. See, and then it gets, I feel like after them, it gets kind of rough to decide who's going to be like uh if you want me to be completely transparent i think florida is the next worst really i mean florida wasn't good last year and i feel like that's just a downgrade across the board like awakening is good slack is good but they don't really have slaying power like technically at one point skies last year had the highest kd in the pro league but that was because his team was doing fuck all and he was just slaying out. Yeah, fair. So, I mean, for my 11th seeded power ranking, it has to either be London or Florida. I feel like London's, I feel like London's roster could do something, but I would agree they're going to be lower tier. I mean, the, any team with Havoc is always a wild card because you have to think Havoc is the one player besides Aix that's actually managed to upset good teams every year. Right. So, it's just him. But, like, Slacked, he's going to get your OBJ time. I don't know enough about Awakening. I know he's nasty. I don't know enough about him. I know Skies is a Slayer. And I know Havoc is an S&D star. Just do those players combined amount to anything? I'm not sure. Fair. I feel like if they would have had uh, F3 still, RIP. But I feel like they could have did something. At that without... rate, they're definitely an S&D team. Right. But, with but like, you have to compare, like, like, let's compare Florida to, like, Seattle. Like, Seattle, if we're comparing pound to pound, Prestini is slacked. 
I lied, sorry. Looney is slacked. Christini is awakening. Gunless is nasty, but he's also a terrible teammate. And then there's Octane. Octane can make a, a bad team good. Because Octane is one of the best players last in the year. league. <laughs> I mean, that's... Definitely did not last year. That's that completely, was... that's completely that, different. Uh, yeah, that's Modern Warfare. That's Modern Warfare and everything happening behind the scenes with Seattle. Right. But like, so, yeah, my number 11, I'm going to go with Florida. It's respectable. Then after that, I feel like it, you have to put Ravens. After that, it's definitely London, yeah. Because yeah. like I was yeah. saying earlier, the London, this is a downgrade from their last year's roster. Yeah. Granted. I don't see how the Twins did, like, how Dude, are they they, they had to have slept with someone's sister. No, had to have. Like, like there's no chance. Like, they even tweeted out that they would take the lowest amount possible just to play. I just don't oh, get side it. Side note, uh, I'm pretty sure Scraps is one of the three or one of the four of Paris. I mean, if Scraps is one of the allegedly, if, if Scraps ends up in Paris, they get better. But I mean, they'll be a decent-ish team because Scraps is one of those players that can take over a map. But right. Not much to say. Alex is good. Dylan's good. Shawnee's a solid AR. Zero is a wild card. He either pops off or goes triple negative. I agree. Let's move up the list. Number nine. What do we got? Number nine. Yeah, Paris 12, Florida 11, London 10. Oh, okay. Duh. Oh, I forgot how to math. Uh, Toronto's my number nine, probably looking at the rosters. Methods is good, Kleenex is nasty, Cammy's solid, Bance. Bance is their weakest player, in my opinion. I don't think Bance has done anything since World War, not World War II, BO3. So, here's my kind of issue. I feel like it's either out of them or LAG. Because if Vivid doesn't slay out for LAG, or doesn't show up for LAG, then they're going to be lower, 100%. But the way that Toronto was popping off at the end of last year, which Modern Warfare, I get it, but they were coming together and being a good squad. All right, here's my counter to that, because Los Angeles right now is going to be my number eight team after them. Okay, well, fair. Uh, I mean, silly, silly Apathy and Assault, the last 4v4 COD won a world championship. Right, but they sucked the entire year. Okay, but they, they won when it mattered, and plus Apathy. Silly... Silly is one of the weirdest players in the CDL. He always does well, but you would never know he does well by watching him play. He, it looks like he doesn't know what to do on the map most of the time, but when you look at the end of the game, he's double positive. Apathy, when, he, when he's not, like, face smashing constantly, one of the best SMG players in the league always turns up when he needs to turn up. Assault is a solid AR, and then Vivid... Maybe Vivid can slay, so Apathy won't have to lose his mind. Okay, so... If that's the case, it's on Apathy and Vivid. If they decide to show up, they could be a good squad. It's going to be on Apathy and Vivid to understand what their roles are, because Apathy in this instance is 1,000% the OBJ player. Right. Along with probably Silly. Assault's going to slay out, and then Vivid has to slay out. It, it's going to come down to if Apathy can accept his role. Not like he has a problem with accepting roles, but like in the moment in the game, can he remember right. what he's supposed to be doing? So, based on what I just said, Methods and Kleenex, I don't think, can carry Cami and Bance. Vivid and Assault might be able to help assist Silly and Apathy. So, my number nine is going to be Toronto, and my number eight is going to be uh, the Los Angeles Gorillas. Okay. I mean, we're still pretty close. I would have them flop or switch, but... I, I can see where you're coming from, 100%. It's also going to be just down to this. Like, out of the people on Toronto, like like I said, Bance hasn't really made noise since, like, IW, when Splice won an event. Methods is always a good player, but at the end of the day, Methods' best asset to a COD team is, like, his Twitter presence. <laughs> I'm just joking. Methods is nasty, but... Then there's right. Kleenex. Kleenex is disgusting. There's no other way to put that. That guy is on a level that I wish to ascend to, and then I just don't know a lot about Cammy. I, I he's a name I know. I know he's good, but just does he work in this roster enough to carry them? I don't yeah. think so. And then within the raw topic of Toronto, we already talked about LAG. So moving on to number seven, 
Uh, let's see. It's going to be for me between the Minnesota Rocker or Seattle. Uh, I'd put Surge under Rocker. It depends. Personally. It depends what gunless we get. It it in my opinion, Seattle is a completely emotional team. If they fall or like if they let the emotions get the best of them, they're not going to be good. Like here's my thought process on this. While I agree with that, gunless, I already stated he's just not a good teammate. He has a history right. of benching himself when things don't go his way. That's the sign of a bad teammate. However, Looney's on this team, and the last time Looney and Gunless teamed in World War II, unless they teamed and I completely just forgot about it, Looney and Gunless won three events under Rise Nation. Looney might be the leader that Gunless needs. And then on top of that, Gunless is also one with Pristini, but here's my issue when it comes into that. Pristini and Looney play the exact same role. They're yeah. both SMG players that have a .8 to a .9 KD. And they're like both entry fraggers. It's going to come down to them deciding who is who in the realm of slaying and OBJing. Because Octane's going to slay, Gunless is going to slay, but then you have two guys that are just kind of both doing the exact same thing. Which, if you have two guys both face smashing a hard point, they're both probably going to die. And then that puts your AR who's not going to move in a bad spot and Gunless in a bad spot. Right. They definitely so. they have potential as a roster. It's just, I feel like they're a super emotional team. So, like, as soon as they lose once and, like, they start losing full, then I think it's over for them. I mean, yeah, that's, that's how it always is. Gunless has benched himself many times exactly. because the teams are, like, meh. But, like, that's what I'm saying. If Looney can keep Gunless in check, that's not going to be a factor. My biggest issue with this team from taking them from a solid pro team to a good pro team is who's baiting for Octane. Because it sure as shit isn't going to be Gunless. Right. Honestly, I can see it being Persini. It might have to be. Like, Looney might have to pull out a third AR and just kind of fill in lanes and let Pristini face smash. Yeah, I could 100% see that happening. But, anyway, Seattle at number seven, which makes Minnesota my number six by what I just said. So, Attach, Accuracy, Major Maniac, and Priesta. I feel like that's going to be a sleeper squad. That's going to be the one that has the most potential to make noise. It's not in my top yep. four. Yeah, 100%. I feel like they can, if they figure out how they want to play together, they could be a nasty squad. This is where, this is the first roster, I think, where the meta is going to come into play because Major Maniac main AR'd for FaZe, didn't he? Or was that, no, that was uh, Celium. He was the second AR, but he still ran yeah. an AR every match. So Major Maniac and Accuracy combined, that's going to be a nasty AR squad. It's just going to come down to. Uh, Major Maniac, for whenever he played on Gen G, didn't he flex? I mean, that was because of Mox and how good the Maddox was. Okay, but I mean, in this one, right now, you got the Krig and the AK. The AK can be run, you can run it as a flex. The AK is the main AR. In every yeah. scrim I've watched, the AK <laughs> is the main AR and the Krig yeah. is the flex gun. Okay. Unless you're optic and then formal is using the M4. Okay, fair. But I mean, I, he, I feel like he can definitely run either or. I mean, here's the thing. If that's the case, he's not using an AK then. Because Accuracy's using the AK. Okay. I don't know what Accuracy's actually using. I'm just speaking hypothetically. I'm just speaking right. in terms of what the rules are. The only issue with this team is that there's not a true SMG player. This is Accuracy and then three flexes. Yeah. But, like, that yeah. works in their favor yeah, in this game good. because the SMGs are trash right now. Right, and I feel like if if they if it is a, still a three AR one sub, I feel like we could see a Tatch running that sub. I feel like it's Priesta. Really, Priesta's been the predominant. I mean, yeah, he was the flex player for a uh, hundred thieves in Bo Four, and he ran a Sog. Him and uh, Enable ran Sogs because Kenny sucked with it. Right. So Priest is probably going to be the SMG player. Attach is probably using an SMG, but he's not using it like an SMG and then Maniac and Accuracy or your two ARs. Which, that's the I one get, squad without... That. Depending on map vetoes, that's a team that can probably take a map from anybody. Oh yeah, 100%. They're definitely... They would definitely be my sleeper pick. So, let's put that down. Minnesota for number six. And then number five... Who have we not said yet? Subliners, Empire, Thieves, Optic, and Base. 
Hmm. Number five is between LA and New York for me. I would probably go with New York, personally. Solely because they still don't know who their fourth actually is. I mean, as of right now, it has to be Asim, because there's no chance a guy from Paris is playing on Well, Paris they ran host. a few scrims. They did, and that's how they figured out that they couldn't play with him. <laughs> like, here's my issue with, uh, with this pick. It's all going to rely on Temp. Yeah. Temp is a good player, but he falls into the same category as Gunless, where he's not a good teammate. And then him and Slasher have already been proven that they can't play together. Because in World War II, Slasher literally left Envy before a, ma uh, a tournament even ended. <laughs> so, like, Slasher played with TJ last year. LA Optic didn't do anything. Slasher played with Kenny last year. LA Optic didn't do anything. But Kenny and Slasher won on 100 Thieves. But that was because on 100 Thieves, they had Octane. Right. Temp... Played with Subliners last year, and they actually won their own home series, I think. Yeah. But that See, was on the Think about it. As soon as, because I heard, or quote unquote, they, Optic had a lot of internal issues too last year. Well, I mean, of course, Dashy benched himself. <laughs> so, I mean, they were scrambling trying to figure out what they were doing probably most of the season. And I mean, as soon as Conchance came, whenever it mattered, they actually showed up. That's true, but at the same time, like, no one expected them to do anything going into that event. They just kind of turned up when they needed to until Envoy yeah. slayed them. Round and 11. I mean, uh, uh, Slasher and Kenny went to, I want to say Dallas for chance, and ended up playing a lot better. And now that I'm pretty sure all of them are going to be in Dallas playing. I mean, absolutely. Like, Slasher is one of the, Slasher's the top three AR. It's right. formal Slasher uh, Octane. Slasher can carry teams. Kenny is a very solid player. Uh, that's that's an asinine statement. Kenny's a Kenny's a really good player. He just can't use certain guns. Right. TJ. TJ will do what it takes to win, but at the same time, TJ also has really bad mindsets sometimes. And then Temp is just. It's basically Slasher not pissing off Temp and letting Temp do what Temp wants to do. Yeah. The only way yeah, this team. I feel works. like that's gonna be the main thing and as long as Tej enjoys the game and wants to play the game i think it i think it'll be all right as long as slasher and temp don't clash and then let's flip this back because we're still deciding on number five the new york subliners clayster and zuma have teamed together before they won events before but at the same time they also fought a lot when they teamed on phase <laughs> I've actually seen some scrims from them, and I might consider putting them under, like, lower than five. Like, that would be a big possibility for me, because Clayster is consistently losing full. Yeah, but that's not, like... Clayster can lose full and the team can still be good. The one thing I will say is that they're all basically on record saying they are the worst control team in the league. <laughs> <laughs> There's a clip of Clayster somewhere saying that they have no idea how to win a map of control. So that's not good, and I'm surprised that it made it past this far, but I think it made it this far because Asim is going to bait for everybody. Mac can slay the fuck out. Zuma is Zuma. Zuma is a top 5 SMG player, slash flex player, depending on what the meta turns out to be for him. And then Clayster's a three-time world champ. Clay knows how to win despite losing full, right. so that's not really See an issue to me. Max kind of a wild card for me because he came in last year and yeah he played really good, but who knows if he's going to be able to do that again? All right, so based on what we're saying, uh, New York is number five. Yeah, because I mean Mac, he he can be good again. I'm not saying that he can't, but we've only had one year to see how good he actually is. I just need more reassurance on how he plays. And this comes down to me not watching a lot of scrims outside of, like, Optic, Phase, and, uh, Sensor. I haven't I seen like... any of Phases. Uh, it's I'm... not like they're streaming it. It's, there's a, there's a YouTube channel that just posts scrims. Uh, okay. And sometimes it's a clickbaited title, like Optic versus Phase 50 Point Club or something like that. 
So I watch their scrims like that, just knowing how good they are like that, which brings us to the top three, because by default, that makes LA Thieves our number four team. Yep. So our top three contenders are Dallas, FaZe, and Chicago, which honestly, right now, I don't think there's any way to rank these guys. Like, okay, let me change that. Reigning world champion Dallas has to be number one. That'd just be disrespectful to not have them at number one right now, considering they just won. So it's between two and three. So I, Dallas is our number one team. I see FaZe at the number two spot. I mean, as much as I love Optic and I'm a diehard Optic fan, FaZe is definitely going to be above them. All right, let's compare player to player. So going from Selium is their main AR to Formal. Let's compare that. Formal is the better well, AR. They got R2Ds the now. Selium's the main AR. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure yes. R2Ds went to FaZe to solely be the main AR. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, I, c- I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's the whole reason as he wanted to go. Far as, my, as far as I know, Celium was always going to be the main AR, because that's the only thing you can play with. Okay. I mean, unless they're running a 2 AR setup, which is possible. I mean, technically, the meta is 3 ARs, so it's not right. really going to matter, but let's just compare... Alright, then let's compare... Let's compare Formal to R-Cities. I still think Formal's better. <laughs> <laughs> That doesn't really doesn't really change anything. <laughs> Let's compare Dashy to Arsity's. Raw talent, Dashy wins, but unfortunately there's more to raw talent than there's more to this than raw talent. So I think Arsity's yeah. wins against Dashy. Yeah. Because Arsity's is a better teammate. He's not afraid to speak up and scrims whenever they're doing dumb stuff. Dashy has a tendency to not to get bored and not take things seriously. Mm-hmm. Arsity's wants to win. Dashy wants to win. Arsities wants to win way more than Dashy. Yeah. Just based on how he treats practice. So, Optic wins in Formal. Uh, Atlanta wins in Arsities. So, Simp. You're going to compare Skump to. It's, a, it's Simp. Okay. <laughs> this is tough. I feel I... like Skump is really good at this game. I feel like Skump is better than Simp because Envoy is better at baiting. Or being bait, rather. Yeah. Like, we're literally comparing, like, if you're playing NBA 2K, this is literally like putting LeBron James against LeBron James and seeing what happens. Yeah, pretty much. So I feel like Simp and uh, Skump are going to depend on who their supporting SMG player is, and I feel like Skump edges out Simp just because Envoy... Is a better at being baited. Right. And he's a less selfish player than Abizi. Not to say Abizi's selfish, but Envoy is definitely for the win. Right. And that comes Envoy down to Abizi and Envoy. Abizi, I think, is the better raw talent player. Same with Dashy right. compared to Arsides, but in terms of winning. Like, we saw kind of this issue last year with FaZe. Like, they just have so much slang power, but who plays the objective? They kind of forced Priesta to do it, but then Priesta was just sitting in hard points like, guys, they're coming. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Abizi might take that role this year. Either Abizi or Sim. I mean, yeah, but here's... But... I don't I don't think, the, for lack of a better word, I don't think they're going to make Sim pill, bitch. Right. Abizi might have to play that role. Or, uh... Actually, no, it might be RCDs. But the only issue with that is your main AR playing in Hill gives up a lot of map right. pressure. It's going to be, it just it comes down to how they play. Like, me yeah. being a biased Optic fan, as unbiased as I can say this, I do think uh, right now, from what I've seen, Optic is the number two team. Just comparing player to player. Player to because player, Because they, yeah. they, they just work that way. Like, Formal's going to lock down your lanes. Dashy's a wild card. If Dashy pops off, there's nobody beating Optic. Skump and Simp are equals, but Skump... Uh, Skump's role works better for Skump because Envoy is Envoy. Right. It would be it would be the same way if Envoy played on phase for Abizi. Simp would be the better player on phase between Skump and Simp if Envoy was baiting for Simp. Yeah, 100%. So, based on that logic, Optic is my number two and Phase is my number three. I mean, I, I feel like either team could go in and out. 
to me, I feel like they're pretty even. I mean, like I said, the but top three I, teams, yeah, the only reason Dallas is the number one team is because it would just be blatantly disrespectful for them not to be number one after literally winning the world championship and having the exact same roster. Right. Minus Clay. But the top three teams can be interchangeable, in my opinion. Yep. Definitely. So, final rundown for our power rankings. Number one, Dallas. Number two, Chicago Optic. Number three, Atlanta Phase. Number four, LA Thieves. Number five, New York Subliners. Six, Minnesota Rockers. Seven, Seattle Surge. Eight, Los Angeles Gorillas. Nine, Toronto Ultra. Ten, London Royal Ravens. Eleven, Florida Mutineers. And then twelve, Paris, because they don't have a team. <laughs> or anything at this matter, because it that took two months to mind. send a fire emoji on Twitter. That blows my mind. It wasn't like... 20 mil that they spent to get into the league 25 mil oh my god i couldn't imagine and like the thing is like is one last thing before we move on to the last part of it you go ahead and say what you're gonna say okay so what like where is paris from like i okay is there another org that they're a part of like how optics part of nrg oh that's a great question let's go to twitter they might not be affiliated with anything. Okay, so then it's probably just chopped. This is one it's of those like, times when, like, they... this is one of those times when someone that just wanted a uh, a team bought a team. That's what I'm thinking. And uh, no, there's nothing on their Twitter that says they're a part of anything. Let's see what they're following. <laughs> they're following Rich Campbell. <laughs> okay. That's not fair. They're following all the uh, the right. cod people. They're following Rudy Gobert. Is he an investor? Why are they following Rudy Gobert? <laughs> I, I, I'm curious about their back, like background, because it, it cannot be anything esports related. Dude, they're like, following a lot of French NBA stars, so I'm getting the hint that that's where they came from. Okay. Oh, Intel, they're following B-Sport Josh. <laughs> I guess he's a coach. I couldn't tell you. Uh, they're following... That's how bad their social media team is, bro. They haven't even unfollowed their players from last season. <laughs> I'm mind-blown Kismet didn't make it into a team. Judging by how they also follow the Paris Eternal, they're owned by the same ownership that owns that Overwatch team, but then again, there's nothing on their page about anything. So I feel like it's just some rich person from France that wanted to own a team. Okay, fair. And they just had nobody helping them make decisions. Like, Gary V is an investor for the Minnesota Rocker, but right. they also brought on Midnight to help with decisions involving, like, content mainly, but... She also has connections to other people that I'm sure helping them. Yeah, I have no idea who Paris is affiliated with, if they're affiliated with anybody. I'd have to go back and watch their introducing video, which I'm not really inclined to do. Don't blame you. I don't blame you at all. Whoops. Let's exit out of that. Brings us to... They also announced subs for each team. I have that. Uh, I'm not that worried about it. Okay. That was such a small part of last year. And then most of the time the subs got screwed out of things anyway. Well, see, I like the fact that they are letting subs play in challengers this year. Finally. I was going to say that was the case last year, but no, you're right. The sixth man was not allowed to play in challengers. Right. Because Censor threw a whole bitch fit about it. Which I mean, it was it was a it was a justified bitch fit. I agree with him. Right. Yeah, I would have been pissed. It brings me to the next thing. I have am stuff. It's not that's a very vague topic, but I've actually this is the first year I've actually paid close attention to the am scene. So, I'm and it's probably because there were let's do basic math. Twelve teams, one less player. Twelve players. Counting subs, let's say there were 30 players taken out of the Pro League because of the way the league dropped. So, 30 players equates to, what is that, 7 teams plus 2? Yeah. So, there are 7 teams in Challengers now that immediately got better because they were pros last year. 
So that is kind of why that works out. Parasite. Parasite is one of the most interesting people in the AM scene because he wants to win, but he doesn't want to win that badly. Because yeah. I, tr this is gonna sound like a complete meme, but Sensor is actually really good at this game. <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a little bit on it. I mean, I've been watching. He's I, the person I've mainly been watching scrims of because I don't like watching a lot of pro scrims because I don't play pros. So the people I play against don't do things that make sense. So I watch amateur scrims, which is technically what Doug is, just right. to get a feel for how people are gonna play if they play like wild. Doug mm -hmm. is good at this game. He plays his role well. The only time I've seen him play his role badly is yesterday or the day before whenever they were scrimming his old team of Zed, Gunjar, and uh, Denz. And he was just face-smashing, sprinting at gunfights, and shredding people. And by that, I mean he went negative one, but still. I truly believe, back to what I was saying, I truly believe if Parasite wants to win, he needs to put his pride aside and just play with Doug. Yeah, I, I feel like the, those two would team they would probably win because there's a bunch of twitter drama not twitter drama it's like it's just petty shit doug joined parasites call when they were playing eights the other night he's like why don't you want to play with me do you just not like me chris and chris was like parasite was like doug i think you're a cool guy i just don't want to play with you it blows my mind i, I want to know the backstory behind it uh parasite just thinks well, Parasite thinks everybody's worse than Parasite, but he just thinks Doug is a subhuman when it comes to God. The last time Parasite and... The last time Parasite and Sensor teamed was Ghosts? Or did they win an event with Aches and AW? What was the phase team that beat Optic and AW? Sensor, Aches, Apathy, and who was the fourth? Slasher. No, never mind. The last team yeah, they teamed was Ghosts. The last time they teamed was Ghosts. Yeah, they teamed in Ghosts with Karma, and they won an event with that team. It was a uh, Sensor, Apathy, Karma, and Parasite in Ghosts. It was the event right after Karma left Co uh, Complexity because of reasons. Karma just had a kid, and Complexity wasn't paying them, so he's like, "I gotta go somewhere where I'll get money." Right. And so he joined Phase with Parasite, Sensor, and. Uh, and uh apathy and that led to the don't call me that led to the argument between sensor and karma it's like don't call me damon <laughs> we are teammates and nothing else and i think that was the last time they teamed and that might be part of the reason it's possible other than just other random stuff but like <clears throat> parasite i truly believe parasite would be in the pro league if he just wasn't such a cock back in AW in VO3. Back whenever he was in the Pro League, if he wasn't such a cock. Yeah, 100%. Because, I mean, he has the mind for God. He's, he's just he's intelligent about burned it. so many bridges and he's proved by yeah. playing eights with people all the time that he's always going to be the best amateur player and then probably hang with the pros. But he's just burned so many bridges at this point. I feel like Parasite's not the same player he was four years ago, but at the same time, that good old Haggy comes through sometimes. Right. Which, I mean, I feel like if he can get a solid squad that'll stay together, they could definitely. But that's win. the other thing with Parasite. Like, he can't. Parasite's he burned bridges with pro players. It's stopping him from being in the pro league, but he's also burning bridges with players like Blast. Like, right. the good amateur players. Yeah. Because what was the team? Hold on. What was the team Parasite announced like a day ago? It was him decimating two. Which him and Decimate have already played together in World War II. It worked out decently, but they didn't get to where they needed to go. Are you looking it up or do I need to? I'll look it up. Okay. Oh. I'm curious, who's Sensor playing with? Do you know off the top of your head? Uh, yeah. Um, Apox. Apox, some guy named Hunt who's new to the who new to the scene, who's really good in the he did, he did really well in the scouting series, if I remember correctly. Somebody picked him up in the scouting series and he was, he went off. So that's probably how they got together. I would tell you who Parasite's playing with. He would stop retweeting so much shit. <laughs> I'm blanking on the fourth. But, uh, it's Sensor, Apox, Hunt, and... Dude, I'm... 
<laughs> so lost in who this fourth player is. Dude, oh my god, Parasite quit! Retweeting stuff, what in the hell? Here it is. Parasite's new squad as of December 20th is Decimate Draza and Ruiz. And Ruiz, rather. Wait, Draza. Parasite or Sensor? Parasite. Parasite, Decimate, Draza, M. Ruiz, and Gorgo Knight's their coach. Draza, Slayer, Parasite, Objective AR, Decimate, Face Smash, M. Ruiz. I'll be honest, I know M. Ruiz. I don't know what the hell he does. I played, I played M. Ruiz in a pub and he was good, so I'll say that. Fair. <laughs> Oh, dude, I'm gonna have to look up Sensor's squad. I can't remember their fourth. It's Brack! I'm a fucking idiot! Their best player! <laughs> Christ, I couldn't remember Brack! Sensor's like team is Brack, Sensor, Hunt, and Mike Apox. And yeah. from what I saw the other day, the two scrims I watched, they won the maps. 18 to 1, 17 to 1. And the only map they lost was Crossroads Hardpoint, which isn't a map, so. Right. That that squad is looking solid in scrims at least. See, who did they play though? Because they played uh, Zed, right? They played the team that dropped Doug, so Boonjar, Zed, Denz, and uh Jerd. Yeah. And then who else did they play? Was it just them? Uh because that team wasn't all that great, even with Sensor. I'm pretty sure they, I think they barely made top 12, if they made top 12. I don't remember who they beat in the second set of scrims. Because I'm pretty sure that team, once they dropped Sensor, I'm pretty sure they went top 32. I could be, I could be completely wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure it was top 32 or something like that. Um, I'd be second. lying if I said I knew. I don't really pay attention to amateur stuff that heavily, unfortunately. I probably should. Maybe. Like I, I said, I've been paying a little bit of attention to it this year. And then there's Wester. Wester would be the other AM team that I'd even consider talking about. Dude, Wester is so good. Wester probably should be Paris's team. Yeah, 100%. The only issue with that is they probably want the Paris team to play from fucking Paris, so picking up well, uh, there's Wuskin. There's no way they're going to actually let them do that. They, they can't. There's no chance they could. And besides Wuskin right. and... Wuskin and Scraps are living in North Carolina. Yeah, there's no chance. But I didn't do enough research for the AM stuff because I was busy researching everything else for the pro stuff, but let's move on to some questions that I took from Twitter. Hold on. And text messages because people were afraid to be... People were afraid to be not anonymous. So let's start off with, uh, where do we start? I don't know, you got the questions, brother man. I have a lot of questions that don't matter though. Oh, fair. Start off with this one because it's related to the topic. Ooh, okay. Uh, why would the majority of people feel the CDL ruins the game, yet it nets the most money and viewership of any esports tournaments? Because casuals. Let's uh, do, uh, let's, I mean... let's work from that question from the back to the beginning. First of all, it's not close to being the most money and viewership of any esport tournaments. Dota 2, the international, has a prize pool of 38 million. Right, and then you got LOL. LOL has the highest salary players. CSGO has the highest viewership. Right. FPS viewership. League of Legends has the highest overall viewership. Call of Duty is kind of a mid-tier esport right now. And that's why I'm frustrated with it, because there's, like, a lot of steps that are very easy that could be taken to be an upper echelon esport that just aren't being taken. Yeah. But, people feel that pro play and competitive play ruins Call of Duty mainly because they think pro players and the competitive players get what they ask for, which is not the case whatsoever. Not entirely sure where that thought process comes from that's, like... The video that comes to mind is the one that Eight Thoughts made called Optic Scump is Ruining Call of Duty. 
where basically he was talking about how pro players bitch about things and then things get changed. It was like, to be fair, most of the things the pro players are bitching about are things the rest of the community is bitching about. Right. Pro players just have the highest reach on social media. And then, like, there are a lot of pro players that are very vocal about wanting to play the game the way the game is made. Like, Clayster wants the game to be played out of the box, and then there'd just be, like, a pick-and-ban system, which I agree with to an extent, but, like... There's a lot of stuff in Call of Duty that just isn't competitively viable. And I don't know why that bothers casual players, because in the version of the game that UI, pro players, other AMs play, it doesn't affect casual play whatsoever. We just say, hey, we're not going to use this, okay? Okay, sick. Yeah. So to answer that question, no idea why it bothers people that much. Other the than it's like... I can think of is that... It's the psychology yeah, term that I don't know the name of, but, it, like, if we both go to Subway and then I order a turkey sub and then you don't order a turkey sub and I get mad at you for not ordering a turkey sub, it's whatever that psychological term is called. I think it's called being petty tuck. I don't think that's petty. There's a legitimate psychological term for being upset that people don't think the same way as you. I, 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 don't, I don't know what it is, but I, it, it makes no sense, realistically, in my opinion, that casuals or whatever because i mean 90 percent of the casuals are probably playing warzone at this point probably. I mean, realistically there's if somebody's still playing cold war over warzone i'd be super surprised unless they're just, just me and they hate brs but that's a different I mean, topic yeah but even i just then, like, i don't respect people that play warzone casual. just kidding but i don't think warzone's <laughs> a good game mode all right, next question. What creator do you enjoy the most and take inspiration from? There are multiple parts to my answer for this, so I'll let you go first because I have to do a lot of explaining. I, I, I don't even know. Like, you're not really a content creator, but, like, yeah. what content creator do you like the most? And then I guess what pro player do you try to copy? My favorite content creator, like, so streamer-wise? Favorite content creator in general? They're not specifying. I was going to do one Twitch and then one YouTube. But, Go for it. Okay, so Twitch, Summit 1G, no doubt in my mind. That's if, I, if I'm eating dinner, I pull him up and just watch him. Like I watch him like an hour every night before I go to bed. Just, just because I enjoy the content that he puts out, like the energy he has. And for like YouTube, <laughs> I watch KOR Speedy a lot. Like just because like that friendly vibe that he gives and all of the other crew members that he plays with. I mean, KYR, KYR, their sense of humor is just right up my alley, so that's yes, why I enjoy KYR Speedy. They have that, like, playfully very dark sense of humor yes. <laughs> that I I just vibe with it. Plus, I've watched KYR Speedy since, like, 2013. Same. I agree with Summit to an extent. Mainly, I Summit falls into the category of streamers I like, but he mm -hmm. falls into the category of Tim the Tatman and Doc, where I just watch their YouTube highlights because they're you got me, you got me feeling some type of way if I'm watching a Twitch stream for eight hours. See, I don't, I don't like I said, I don't watch it for eight hours. But like whenever I get a chance, like if I'm eating or about to go to bed, I pull it up and watch a couple, and then I'll also watch the highlights later on. Outside of my immediate friend group of Twitch streamers, I watch, I watch Scump and Censor, and that's because I tweeted out like a month ago at this point, maybe. The only way I can enjoy watching a Twitch stream is if there's a sense of competition, so I just watch scrims. Because I enjoy that. In terms of other creators, I enjoy the most. This is a weird answer. Not really a creator, but I'll give different answers. Like, just straight-up content creator. Not anything specific. Really into cooking shows. And, like, Maybe informative. Like that makes sense. Really into cooking shows and really into, like, informative-type videos. Like, hold on. I actually have to consult my YouTube. <laughs> but, okay, so I didn't answer the whole call who I, like, play like or try Go to like in Call of Duty. I feel like I'm a scump, in a sense. So, like, I slay out, but I can also hop in the hill if need be. That makes sense, yeah. Like, because I, I mean, I pushed past the hill... If I'm frying, but like if I, if I'm playing like crap, I will literally straight up like, hey, I need, uh, I got hill, like I'll grab bomb this round. Like it just it just really depends on how my map's going at that point. All right, so I took a glance at my YouTube based on who came up in my recommended feed and like the clickability 
of me wanting to watch their videos, it's going to come down to many a true nerd, Skump, and then Oxhorn. Many a true nerd and Oxhorn are Fallout content creators. They're just kind of videos I can watch and just not really think too hard about what's happening, and then Skump is Skump. I just like Skump, so... That's going to be my answer for that. Skump is also my Twitch answer based on what I just said about scrims. And take inspiration from... Honestly, I feel like there's going to be another two-parter here. I like Sensor's work ethic and mindset about things. So probably Sensor would be my answer for... Uh, like a player I associate myself with, like in terms of mindset. Because outside of the Call of Duty realm, I have played college baseball... I have, like, that sense of structure that I kind of need in my life, where, like, I get really annoyed if there's not a sense of structure and people around me not trying as hard as I'm trying. So probably censor for that, and, like, I also do commentating. So there's a CSGO caster called Sadakist Michael Matthew Trevet, rather. He's probably the person I try to emulate the most whenever I'm doing commentating and casting things. He's responsible for one of the cheesiest lines in anything ever for casting. It's so stupid, but it's one of the best moments ever. Share, share, because I don't. Uh, and I, I can just. I, cannot... I can link you the clip. We can watch it. Okay. Uh, this is ESL New York from 2016. It's a Counter Strike you... event. I'm finding the video, then I'll link it to you. I find it super hard to watch Call of Duty. Like, I can play it all day long, but watching it, just because I, I mean, I know the outcome of it, I feel like I can watch scrims, but like just regular pubs and whatnot, I find it extremely hard. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of pub stuff. And then same with Warzone at this point, just because it's all, I mean, I, I feel like it's super repetitive. Like, you just go around trying to kill people. I just simply don't enjoy Warzone. So, the thing about this clip is it's, one, ESL New York. New York is the Big Apple. The guy's name is Snacks. And also, look at the scoreboard. The fact that he makes this moment this exciting by casting it when it's literally a blowout just shows the power of what casters can do. And it's why... For those of you that may or may not be able to see this, it is 2-13 to 13 in CSGO. I'll put the clip on screen somewhere. Okay. Well, those of you on Spotify or any audio, I'll put it on screen for the people on YouTube, everyone else listening elsewhere. The score is 13 to 2. The player that's last alive on the team is on the team with 13 points. So there's no reason to care about what's happening on screen realistically, but he makes it interesting for everybody. To just snacks. Does find one. Oh, no. Let's not leave him out of this. The big apple and snacks is hungry. There's the dad joke. The big apple and snacks is hungry. Low HP as well on Guardian and Flamey. He's trying to bait them out, trying to get them into one on ones as he dances back and forth between the box. What a shot on simple! Oh, Guardian! That's snap. And it's on to Flamey. He's tapped it. Flamey's got a big. What in God's name is that from Snacks? Unbelievable! That's like regarded within esports as one of the greatest like commentator moments of all time because of one the fucking joke and two how he made a literal blowout exciting. <laughs> right. He's one of my uh, favorite commentators. However, with that said, I'm not gonna breeze by the thing where he got really in trouble. I think in 2018 because he said the N word on Twitch. We're gonna breeze. We're just <laughs> gonna not count that as part of my answer. But as a commentator, he's probably one of the better ones. I'm a firm believer that the only reason Sadakist, or that Maven won Esports Commentator of the Year during 2018 is because Sadakist made a boo-boo. But uh, let's do one more question, and we can end this, because a lot of these questions are asking the same thing. Uh, if you could change one thing from Esports, what would it be? My biggest answer for this would probably be the people within the community. Esports is one of the weirdest places besides, I would say it's weirder than content creation. Esports is like the one place where people don't want to see their peers succeed. Yeah. And like, it's just, it's not good. <clears throat> uh, like, I agree with that. But I also find it super hard to get into. Into what? Like esports in general. Like, I mean, yeah, you can go play A's with some random people, but, like, 
for people like me that would like to play in challengers and do all this i can't find a team which is another answer it comes down to two big things one accessibility and then two like the support within the community the accessibility part being a lot of people don't know cod esports even exists because there's no promotion from the actual developer in the game which is nowhere a ranked playlist would help a lot of people it makes it easily accessible. It gives a reason for people to care about what's happening in the esports scene. Because, like, if you go to Counter-Strike, on the main hub of Counter-Strike, there's an esports tab where you can literally watch esports events from the homepage. And I'm sure it's the same way for other, other esports. But then, like, there's no camaraderie within the realm of esports because everybody hates each other unless they're, like, the set click of people that are playing together. And then from eSport to eSport, like, there's no helping the cause. In my opinion, like, a League of Legends player and a Call of Duty player have nothing in common other than they're both e-athletes in that sense. But neither of them will help each other to help eSports in general grow to a place where everybody will benefit. Because eSports as a whole wants to compete with mainstream media and mainstream sports. But that's not gonna happen... If I play Call of Duty and then let's say my friend Nate plays League of Legends and we just don't support each other or help each other grow to that next level. Because like even though LeBron James and Derek Jeter played different sports, LeBron James was at Yankee Games. Yeah. It's just shit like that that's going to keep the overall scene of esports from growing. And that would be the one thing I would change. Two and a half, one and a half things I would change because I feel like every game should have an esports any competitive game that's multiplayer should have an esports side that's easily accessible to everybody and then like even a playlist like something come on that's just the weird thing for cod because there's already the rule sets in the game they're just not giving us the actual like finalized playlist it's just whack it blows my mind it can't be that difficult like they bring out playlists all the time like just throw those three game modes together throw those maps in that pool and just like it doesn't even have to have ranks at the beginning like i'd be completely okay if it was un unranked that would be the best way to do it just to be your release a uh, pre-season playlist right like just a unranked season before season one or how season one and then as soon as they get it ready for the ranks and how they want to do the ranking system then release the update and be like hey yeah this is here's ranks now you guys actually have something to play for now it's also it's also super tough just to remember like i said uh it's also super tough in the aspect of me being an org owner and trying to pick up people that want to represent my team because the amateur scene for call of duty especially at the level that our team is at is so scummy that there's like little to no trust between anybody yeah no doubt because there have been so <laughs> many org owners of teams similar to our size that have promised things they can't keep and I'm the exact opposite. I'm not willing to even entertain the thought of picking up a team if I can't guarantee them what I promised them. And so along with that, it makes it hard because I can't give them what they want. And B, a lot of teams won't even entertain the thought of talking to me because they've been screwed over by so many other organizations. Right. And it's just, it's tough from that aspect. With that said, though, last season for Modern Warfare, I was approached by three of the top ten teams at, at Challengers Champs. And it just it hurt me whenever I saw them all place top 10. I'm sure it did. It hurt me so <laughs> much. But closing thoughts before we end the podcast. Paris is a really bad organization top to bottom. Black Ops Cold War has potential, but right now it's underwhelming. And then Doug Sensor Martin deserves better. So until next time, I have been Tuck, joined by Tej. This has been the Torching Time Podcast. All of our social media is linked in the description. Until next time, see you guys. Peace.